talk to you about how God has designed you. I want to talk to you about God's call upon your life to make a difference. Not just to occupy time, not just to occupy airspace, but to make a difference. You know, it's interesting when I was looking at scripture and I was going through the word, preparing for this series, I began to see so clearly how at the very core of our beings, at the very core, God has designed us. There is an ache on the inside of us, yes, to know God, but also to make a difference. To feel a sense of my life counts. My life is significant, every single one of us. I don't care what background you came from. I don't care what age you are right now. I don't care what socioeconomic background. God has designed you to want to feel like your life is making a difference. My life matters. The reality is, is God has placed within you, yes, within you, seeds of greatness. Now, theologically, absolutely, we believe apart from Christ, humanity has fallen in their nature and they need Christ and they need forgiveness. And yet, every single person listening to me today, you're made in the image of God. Even lost people, they're made in the image of God, the likeness of God, and the dominion of God. And God has gifted them. And when we begin to tap in and function according to God's gifting, Something happens in our lives. Uh, something happens on the inside of us. We begin to, in my estimation, we begin to function and move towards God's plan for our lives. See, I believe this. I believe that you and I really were made for greatness. Now, I know some people think, oh gosh, should we say that in church? Absolutely we should. You're going to see it's all over the Bible there is a vacuum in our culture today, in every area, politically, in the business world, in the academic world, in the arts and entertainment, sports, education. And you know what that vacuum is asking for? Would somebody God called fill it? Would somebody see themselves the way that God created them? The anointing that God has placed on the inside of them? And listen, would you step into it? What would happen if every single believer really saw how God created them? But what would really happen in the earth today if every born-again man and woman of God actually saw themselves the way God created them and stepped into it? I believe culture would change. I believe society would change. I, I believe, yes, marriages, families, churches, but, but much more than that, it would spill out. I believe that our culture could change. Why? Because people see themselves... Differently, I believe that we caught a glimpse, just a glimpse of what God has. How many people are living, watch this, how many people are living below their God potential? The truth is God has invested in every one of us amazing giftings and talents, anointings and abilities. Oh no, not just the preacher. Ah, it's the pastor, it's the priest. It, no, 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 it's every single person. I believe God gifts people for business. I believe that God gifts people with minds for mechanical things. And, and when you step into that, see, I believe that God has designed you in a unique way that your life is a solution to a problem in culture. And when you step into it and you start functioning according to it, things change. I, I believe that greatness... 
greatness, true greatness comes from serving other people. True greatness comes when, when we understand that God has designed us not just for us, but so that we can serve and care for other people. True greatness is, a, is something to be pursued. It's something that God has created and placed a desire on the inside of us to be a difference maker. I know some people, immediate pastor, greatness, should you talk about that in church? Is that something we should talk about? Some people, maybe from a religious background, you're just like, well, you know what? I know God's great. Yes, we teach about God. The Bible reveals that God is great. Absolutely. God is great. We sing songs about it. We teach about it. And yet, and yet when we look in the scripture, we see the word great and greatness attached to mankind as well. That we're made in the image of God. Watch this. The likeness of God and the dominion of God. And God has called us to be great. The reality is, is that some people struggle with that. I think part of it is because they have the wrong definition. Man's definition of greatness is often fame. How many people know them? No, that's called popularity, not greatness according to God. Well, greatness, you know, it's just being the best. No, that's worldly. Being your best, that's godly. It has nothing to do with being the best. It has everything to do with being your best. We get the definitions confused. We compare ourselves with others. We, we have a problem because we look at fame and we look at fortune and we say, oh, they're great. Why? Because they're known. No, some people that are great in God's eyes, you will never, ever hear their names. Greatness, according to God, is it's defined by those that help others and add value to others. The problem is, is that we've got the wrong Definition. So we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be open in the Bible, looking at great men and women of God that did great things for God. We should not have a problem with this word in church. God is great, but he's made his kids to do great things. By the way, that, that shouldn't even be a foreign concept for us. Let me just give, ask for a show of hands. How many of you, all of our locations, how many of you have children that either have or currently play either in school or rec ball or some sort of soccer, baseball, basketball, just raise your hand up, okay? Everybody, okay? Most of us have. Could you imagine just for a moment if a coach went up to a kid and said, you can't dribble, you're a fool, you're terrible, you'll never, I mean, I mean there'd be something as a, I mean, a parent would be like, whoa, bro, that, time out. The goal of a coach is to help a kid become their best to become better, to aspire towards something. Why should we in church do anything less? Yeah. I'll never forget my sister. I'm 11 years older than my younger sister. And I was, she was playing basketball. I think she maybe was 14, 15. So I was in my mid-20s. And, and I had graduated from college. In fact, my parents asked me if I would bring her to basketball practice. And so I brought her to basketball practice. Again, maybe she's 15. I was maybe 26 at the time. And so she was at basketball practice and she was out there and the coach, I mean, these are 15 year old girls, maybe 14. 
And the coach literally was berating these girls. I mean, just putting them down the whole time. I'm sitting over there, you know, we got parents and, you know, watching. Now, I'm, I'm a brother, okay? I'm not, I'm not. And so finally, I just, I just, I, inside, it was the worst example of coaching I've ever seen. It's almost like he took a class on reverse psychology. It's like, if I just beat them down enough, somehow they're going to do something great. That doesn't work, by the way. And so finally, I just went out there. So my, so it was kind of finishing up. So I asked the guy, I said, can, can, can I talk to you just for a second? So I saw my, my sister going, oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. You know, she's like on earth. And so, no, no, really, can, 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 I, can I just, just for and, and I said, I said, I said, I, I'm not a parent. I'm, I'm, that's, my, that's my sister over there. I said, I said sir, I, I'm not trying to be boss. I said, do you realize what you're doing? What are you talking about? And by the way, I respect coaches. I respect all referees. And all parents should respect them. I just want to put that on record, okay? I do not like parents screaming at referees and coaches. I'm not advocating that. I am suggesting you can make an appeal in a courteous way. i got to say that. Crazy parents. But anyway, so... And so and so, I said, I said, sir, I said, can I just say this to you respectfully? I said, you are beating those they're they're like half of them are crying i said can i just give a little nugget here i said why don't you appeal to their potential can just appeal to their potential like what they can become how about that god bless you i'll go back there so my sister goes she goes she goes Steve, what did you what did you say after she goes? We got. She goes. What did you say? Did you embarrass me? Did you ask him if I was going to get into the game? You know, because you know how you do it. I said, I, I. And she goes, What did you say? And and I said, Nothing really. The truth is, is that each one of us in our hearts, we were created by God. Watch this, to grow. In church, in church, we should appeal to people's. God potential. They're not God, but they're made in the image of God, and they're created by God to do great things. And it's amazing whenever you start talking about topics like this. People get a little bit nervous. They get a little bit anxious. And yet the Bible is replete with what I would call biblical commands, biblical expectations that human beings under God's authority should aspire to do great things. Psalms chapter 8, verse 4. I love what King David writes. It's so powerful. He says, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? For you've made him, mankind, watch this, a little lower than the angels. And you have crowned him with glory and honor. And you have made him to have dominion. Mankind has dominion over the works of your hands. And you have put all things under his feet. David is saying, how powerful, God, that you've made us just a little lower than the angels, crowned with glory and dominion. The word angels is actually the word Elohim. Some Bible translators literally translate that word as God, simply suggesting that we have been made lower than God. We're not God. I want to go on record. We're not God. God is the creator. We are the creation. But we're made in the image of God. And God says that he's, watch this, given us dominion. Everybody say that at word at the count of three. Dominion. One, two, three. Dominion. 
Do you know what the word dominion means? Here's what it means. It means to steward over, to take care of, to influence, to nurture, and to grow. Dominion. Have you ever thought about that before? That God is actually over, listen, over the responsibilities that you have. God has given you dominion. That is a far cry from, I'm just here. I just want to know God. I just want to go to heaven. Absolutely. But you also have a dominion mandate from God. To steward over, to take care of, to help, to add value, and to grow. To grow who? Anyone in the environment that God has placed you. Wow. Over these next four weeks, we are going to be talking about the concept of greatness and making a difference from God's perspective. Not the world's perspective, but God's perspective. Well, pastor, if you talk about that in church, won't people get prideful? Let me tell you. If you equate greatness with servanthood, that causes you to actually be humble, not prideful. Greatness from God's perspective is different than the world's perspective. Oh, it may cross a little bit every now and then, but you'll begin to see in Scripture, it really is, it really is a big difference. Over the next four weeks, we are going to be talking about this word and what it means to make a difference. Greatness has been connected to humanity all throughout this Bible, all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3. God has given us dominion to make a difference. I love John chapter 14. I love this. Verse 12, Jesus himself said, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do. And watch this. Everyone say that next word. Come on, say it. Greater. Greater works. Can you imagine Jesus literally looking at his disciples and talking about throughout the generations, he who believes in me, the works that I do. Now, let me tell you what we're not going to do. We're not dying on the cross for people's sins. But let me tell you what we are going to do. We can help people in the name of Jesus in a greater scope because there's one Jesus and there's a whole bunch of people in the body of Christ. Jesus was in one location when he was on the planet in humanity, constrained in human flesh. And he says, listen to me. When I go to heaven, I give you my spirit in my name. You're going to be able to help people even in greater dimensions. Not die on the cross, but help alleviate their pain. What is greatness according to God's definition? Here it is. According to God's definition, here it is. It is helping people and adding value to them. Oh, oh, guess what, guess what? And the more that you do that, guess what? The greater you become. And the more that you do that, the more people you help, the more people you add value, the greater you become. We, we have to understand greatness from God's perspective. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to Luke chapter 1. Each week we're going to be looking at different biblical characters that God calls great. We're going to be looking at unique characteristics of why that is. We're going to be unpacking that definition of greatness. I'll say it again. Greatness, according to God's perspective, is us helping and adding value to other people. It's not fame. It's not success in the world's eyes, not popularity. It is us helping to serve other people. Greatness. Everybody say greatness. God has made you to make a difference and to have a great impact. Luke chapter 1, verse 12. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. Listen to this. This is powerful. In the Bible, God calls someone great. When Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayers, your prayers heard. 
and your wife Elizabeth will bear a son. And you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness. And many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great. He'll be great. Yes. God says about John the Baptist, he will be what? Come on, everybody say it. Great in the sight of the Lord, and he shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he will also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before them in the spirit, the power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. This man, Zacharias, was a priest just prior to the time of Jesus. His Jesus' unveiling, his coming forth, and his wife and he were not able to conceive. One day, the presence of the Lord shows up, and, 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 and God speaks to him, and, and God tells him that he's going to have a child. And, of course, we now know this child is, is John the Baptist. And God says something unique about this child. Here's what he says. He says, this child shall be great. Oh, not great just because he's great. Great because of what he does. Remember that. Greatness from God's perspective is defined by one's willingness to help and to serve other people. To add value to other people. He said John would be. Come on, everybody say it. Great. John was a difference maker. Why? Because of how he served. Uh, what, what he did, he proclaimed the message of Christ. The, the turn, there's a Messiah coming. Matthew chapter 11, verse 11, we see Jesus also calls John the Baptist great. Listen to this. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Can you imagine John just for a moment? Guys, just think about this for a moment. John the Baptist. Well, could you imagine interviewing for a job as a, as a pastor-to-be? So you go there and you've got your resume. You know, you're, you know, so have you sent your resume? Yes, we've sent the resume. So where did, did you go to college or any seminary or Bible school? Do you have any graduate school? Yes, we, I, you know, and yeah, I got that. And what have you done? Okay. Now here's John the Baptist. He's applying to be a pastor. Did you go to school? No, I, I didn't. Seminary? No, I did. Any special things you did? I baptized Jesus. I mean, I mean, that's probably, that's kind of up there on the free chain, isn't it, right? I mean, that, that's all he, he, he baptized Jesus. How'd you like to know? Yeah, do you remember? I mean, and, I mean, he baptized Jesus. That's a big deal. And yet Jesus said something about John. I love this. This is so amazing. I, the guy that baptized Jesus. Listen to what Jesus says about him. Matthew chapter 11, 11. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. I submitted to John. John baptized me. I, I remember looking up, seeing John's face, and I went under the Jordan River. John's power. Supernatural, powerful. And then he says this. Yet, whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is, everybody say that next word. Come on, loud at the count of three. One, two, three, say it. Greater than he. 
Whoever is least is greater than he. That last sentence, by the way, that's your sentence. I want to say this to every location. You need to underline that sentence. Because that sentence speaks to your potential. That's what God thinks about you. That's who God says you are. The least in the kingdom of God. Why? Because greatness according to God's economy, greatness according to God's perspective is, watch this, it's you serving and adding value to people. It's not fame. It's not popularity. It's not success according to man's terms. It's not, well, I know them because they've got so many followers. They're an influencer. Yeah, but if they're not adding value to people, they're not great in God's eyes. But the least. Jesus said the least. And by the way, he said, John, nobody's greater. But the least in the kingdom, if you make it your daily heartbeat, I'm going to add value to people. I'm going to serve people. You, you wake up one day and you go, I didn't realize. I've touched a lot of people's lives. You ever go to a funeral and, and, and hear eulogies? By the way, this is a good exercise. And you hear somebody's eulogy and you're thinking to yourself, all I know is I want half of what they just said about that person to be said about me. I think there's a value of starting with the end in mind. I mean, they touched this person, they touched that person, they touched, I mean, it's just, it's just incredible. They helped that person, they cared for that person. I believe as Christian people, we have to see that greatness is it's not an option. It's a requirement. Let me tell you why it's a requirement. It's a requirement to be a difference maker. And I'm using that in a synonymous way, to be a great difference maker. It's a requirement because the needs in humanity are so great. And so, how do you do this? By the way, history is filled, not just the Bible, but history is filled with great men and women that served people and added value to people. By, by the way, uh, recently was the birthday of William Wilberforce. I don't know if you guys knew that. It was recent, and who, who, who was that? He was a, an Englishman that single-handedly really was the mouthpiece of, of, of eradicating slavery in Great Britain. Amazing story. You need to, you need to read about him. He was a, a great Christian, and, 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 and God used him in incredible ways. Here, here it is. And by the way, by the way, when he died, his best friend said about him, William fulfilled God's purpose for his life. Question, do you want that said about you? I want that said about me. I'll never forget when I was in high school and college reading a book by a woman from Cincinnati. And it was, a, it was an amazing book. Harriet Beecher Stowe wrote a little book. Some of you guys may remember that book, Uncle Tom's Cabin. That, that book sold way back then 350,000 copies. And it was an amazing book that, in essence, chronicled the life of a, of a woman in slavery and some other things attached to it. And as a matter of fact, I remember reading about Abraham Lincoln when, when, when Harriet Beecher Stowe was a small, frail lady. And when she walked up to him, here's what he said. He goes, I have this quote. This is so powerful. Here's what he said. Mrs. Stowe, Mrs. Stowe, right glad to see you. So you're the little woman who wrote the book 
that made this great war. Wow. And of course, we know at the end of the Civil War, what took place in our country, the eradication, the ending of slavery as we know it, thank God. She lived her life with an awareness that God used my life to make a difference. Oh, man, we could go on and on. You, you could go on and think about people in history that, that, that have impacted people, whether it's Winston Churchill. Yes, Winston Churchill, who I believe was tremendously used. Why? Because let me tell you, and by the way, those of you think, well, he grew up in this aristocratic home. Yeah, his parents were horrible to him. But there was a little lady, a nanny used to tell him, Mrs. Everest, you're going to do something great with your life, Winston. You're going to do something great with your life. You're going to do something. His parents were horrible. They were socialites. They neglected him. They left him often to their socializing. But his little nanny used to tell him, you're going to do something great. You're going to make a difference. My dad, by the way, my blood father, who was born in England in 1936, he was in an orphanage in Croydon, South London. He told me about how all the kids cheered when Winston Churchill became the prime minister. And they had so much confidence that he was going to defeat the Nazis. And it happened. Wow. When you think about people like Martin Luther King Jr. I, I, you know, this dawned on me. I, when I was in college, I didn't even realize it. He wasn't even 40 years old when he was killed. In his 20s, his 30s. What are kids doing today in their 20s? Playing video games. Come on. I'm sorry if I got a little bit close to home. This guy was shaking a nation back then tremendously. And, and, and when somebody realizes and they begin to function, I'm living in God's call for my life. Does that beat in your heart? By the way, a call doesn't push you, it pulls you. It pulls you. I could go on and on. Mother Teresa, I mean, so. I remember reading about that 98 pound Catholic nun in India, leper colonies, and she went before the United Nations and rebuked them because of their stance on abortion and other, among other things. Powerful. Before I close, I'm going to give you guys, and this is kind of a foretaste of what we're going to be doing over the next month. We're going to be looking at biblical characters, and we're going to be looking at greatness from God's perspective. What does it mean to be a difference maker? Number one, Greatness, here's five thoughts on greatness. Here it is. Greatness is not an event. It's forged throughout life. You ever heard this statement, you know, man, crisis really built this person. Crisis doesn't build anybody. Crisis reveals a person. Crisis doesn't build anybody. It reveals what's on the inside of them. There's never one moment that makes somebody a difference maker. Greatness is not based upon one moment. It's not based upon one moment. It's, it, it's based upon a series of showing up and showing up and helping people and helping people and being stable and consistent and faithful day in and day out over and over and over. i never forget my friend was in, with his wife at a movie and, and she looked at it and she was there watching this movie and, and she looked at it and she goes, and it was kind of a romantic thing. And she, she looked, she goes, that guy is an amazing husband right there. And my friend looked at me, he goes, honey, are you serious? She goes, oh, did you see the way he loves her? He loves her. He's amazing. And my friend goes, honey, this is a movie. That guy's not even real. 
they're not married? Well, if they were, that's what they should be doing. I'm just saying that right now. Can, can you imagine? Listen, we just see the highlight reel of people's lives. Isn't that right? It's like, it's like in the NFL. You see the guy that catches, you know, the, the thing for this. What you don't see is it's spring practice. Uh, uh, Hopping up levees and working out, which you don't see. In other words, we always want to compare our lives with the high right reel of somebody else. But that's not how it works. It's the daily consistency. It's the showing up. It's the kindness when nobody sees it. It's all of that. Greatness is not an event. No one event. It's not one event. It's forwards throughout life. Number two, greatness is not something you proclaim about yourself. Proverbs 27, 2, let another man praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. I love this. Please, and I'm just appealing to everybody, please, and look, there's a balance of testifying what God has done. I get that. I understand testimony, but, but make sure it's a testimony. It's not just a self-veneration moment. Does that make sense? There's a difference between what God has done versus what you've done, and I think it's important that we understand that. I, you ever, you ever been around somebody, and I say this respectfully, it's like, it's like they just talk about themselves the whole time. And, and there's an appropriate level of declaring what the Lord has done. I'm not suggesting there's not. But, but on the other hand, it's somebody, you're, they're like name droppers. They've been with the best people, the sharpest people. They're the greatest. They're whatever. And just like, that's just too much. And you got the little bubble over your head going, do they realize how silly they look? They take credit for everything. It's like, come on, man. That's not greatness. Truly great people don't even talk about it. It's just, you just look behind what they've done. I'm talking about taking credit. I got to tell you, this is kind of a confessional moment. But So there's a guy in our church today, and his name's Glenn Smith. He's been in Church of the King from the very beginning. And Glenn, I think is six, I'm 54. I think he's six, seven, maybe eight years older, maybe. So we went to church. This is hilarious. We went to church together in Metairie. So when I'm like 20, 21, he's like 27, 28. And he was a singer. He was a singer. And so he was a very good singer. And talking about taking credit. And, and so he would sing and they'd have specials. And it was just tremendous, you know. And he looks exactly like me. Literally. Thin, powerful. And I'm just joking. I'm, just, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Anyway, but so, so he looks, he's blonde hair. And, and so... Years ago, this happened probably three or four times. So this, these, this lady, it's actually three different ladies, after Glenn would sing, I'm in the presence of God, people would cry. And I'm for, never forget, the first time this lady came up, she goes, you were amazing today. And I went, what did I do? She goes, the way you were singing up there, it wasn't me. It was Glenn singing. And so she goes, you were just amazing. And I, now my conscience is going, tell her the truth, tell her the truth. And, and I just, and she goes, can I just, can I just give you a hug? And I said, yes. I said, oh, gosh. And I walked away. I'm like, I got to tell her. I got to tell her. I got to tell her. I bet she, she did it again. She did it like three times. Finally, I said, Glenn, we're going to have to stand together after you sing next time. I said, I finally told her. And I said, ma'am, she was an older lady. I said, ma'am. She goes, she came up crying the third time. I said, today's the day. I, I got. I just. I, I, you know. I didn't want her to spare. I said, "Ma'am, honestly, that's not me. It's that other guy." And she goes, "Well, I want to hug you anyway." So she just. Hugged. And the funniest thing about that was that Glenn and I was just. It was hysterical. But it's a funny way where. Have you ever been around somebody that takes credit when it was really somebody else? 
let me help everybody. It really is God. It really is God. If you're going to give credit, give credit to God. Give it to humans, but ultimately give it to God. Greatness is not about proclaiming your own greatness. Three, greatness is not a race against anyone else. Your race is not to be compared with anybody else's. The goal is not to be the best. The goal is to be your best. John Wooten, the famous coach who was a Christian and a UCLA coach, winningest coach of all time, 10 national championships from 65 to 75, incredible basketball coach and player as well. And here's what he said. Success is the peace of mind that comes from knowing that you've done your best. Jesus had a strong conversation with his disciples one day. Here's what he said, Luke chapter 9, verse 46. And Jesus, perceiving the thought of their hearts, took a little child and said, Whoever receives this little child in my name receives me. Whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who was least, he was least among you. He was least among you as the greatest. Prior to that, they were arguing about who's the greatest. Well, I did this and I did that and after all and... And you know, hey, by, by the way, I'll never forget this. When I, in the, when I got saved in 1987, a couple years after that, we, we, there was a, a prayer moment where there's this older guy, I'll never forget, he was in his 80s, and he came up to some friends of ours, and it was like after a service, it's, guys, can you pray for us? And so there's probably six or seven of us. We surrounded this guy and prayed. I cannot remember exactly what the, the, the physical thing was, but he got a miracle, like supernatural healing. So he comes back the following week. I was at a church at Metairie. He comes back the following week, and all my friends are together. And the guy goes, guys, you're not going to believe this. He goes, I got healed, like supernaturally healed. And so I turned, I looked at my friend, and he goes, he looked at me, and he goes, I felt heat coming out my hand when I prayed. My other friend goes, I felt the anointing. I think it was God used me. And I'm thinking to myself, have we reduced this down to who gets credit for the healing Forget about you. That guy got healed. It doesn't matter who God used. Does that make sense? In other words, who cares who gets the credit? God gets the credit because that man was healed. God's got some assignments for some of you guys. And here's what I believe. I believe God wants to give you bigger assignments. And if you don't care who gets the credit, I think he'll give you a bigger assignment. Number four, greatness is all-encompassing. Greatness is about your character. We're going to be talking about that during the series. What is character? It's who you are on the inside when no one's looking. Someone would say, well, I'm great in business. Yeah, but if you have lousy morals, you're not great according to God's standards. Lance Armstrong, oh my gosh. I mean, he's won more things and bike racing, and yet we found out that Lance had a little help from his friends called steroids. He cheated. Did he win? Well, he actually lost. Winning according to God's standard is, is doing it the right way. We're going to be talking a lot about that this month. Number five, and we'll conclude. You guys learning anything? Is this helping anybody? Here we go. I'm going to end where I began because I want to help everybody. Being a difference maker, being great in life, doing great things in life according to God's Design is different than the world's. It's different. It's different. I think we're so scared at times at church to tell people to dream big and to believe for great things because they're going to get prideful. God has a way of keeping us humble. Being a servant, trust me, how do you know if you're a servant? How do you know if you're really a servant? It's how you act 
when you're actually treated like one. Just think about that just for a moment. But the reality is, is that fame and greatness are not synonymous. Oh, I know that person. Yeah, they're great. Well, because why? Because they're known? You can have somebody in a nation that's done things and cared for orphans and helped people and that we'll never know their name. But they're great in God's eyes. What they've done for God and what they've done for people. Remember, greatness, greatness is about what? Your care for others, your positive contribution to society, how you've helped, how you've served, how you've added value. And by the way, that is a commendable thing to pursue. I want to be great in God's eyes. Great, I want to do something great for God. What does that mean? Let me translate it. That means you want to help a lot of people, you want to add value to a lot of people, and you want to serve a lot of people. By the way, that's commendable in God's eyes. We should all achieve that. We should all pursue that. That's not selfish. That's not prideful. That's not about you at the end of the rainbow. That's about helping a lot of people. God, give us a heart like that. Give us a heart like John the Baptist. Give us a heart to be least in the kingdom that says each day, Lord, as I wake up, I want to know you and I want to make you know. I want to do my assignment. Lord, I want to use my gifts and talents and abilities. My race is not against anybody else. Uh, I, I know that you've called me, that you've marked me. And God, show me who I can help. Show me who I can serve. Show me who I can add value to. In other words, in every person I meet, in every situation, I want to give more than I take. I want to deposit more than I withdraw. You turn around, you got a lot of people that you're positively influencing. And that's when, by the way, that's when at your funeral, they say, man, she, she was amazing. She helped people. She stopped for the people that others didn't stop for. She, she listened. She cared. He cared. Man, he'd roll up his sleeves. He'd help. He'd encourage. He'd... Greatness from God's perspective. It's your willingness to add value. It's your willingness to serve. It's your willingness to help. And it is something that we should pursue. When you begin with the end in mind of what you'd like to have said about you, I think of Jesus. For this purpose, the Son of Man came. He knew what it was about. He began with the end in mind. The end in mind was the cross. The bear on the resurrection of Christ. He, he began. Begin with the end. And then work your way back. And I think about what he did, what he achieved for me, for you. He was great. Because he, he accomplished his purpose. As a matter of fact, I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads. Can you, those that are watching online right now as well, if you say, Pastor, I'm not sure where I am in my relationship with God. The, the first step towards greatness, the first step towards becoming a difference maker, it's where you personally have to recognize that you need God. That you've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, all of us have sinned. And that we need Christ. We need the blood of Jesus to wash us and cleanse us. In just a moment, the count of three, I'm going to ask for a show of hands. I'm not going to embarrass you, but right where you are, if you say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I need the blood of Jesus to wash me, to cleanse me, and to make me new. You know who you are. I can't save you. Church of the King can't save you, but Jesus can. Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. If that's you, the count of three, put your hand up so I can see it. You ready? One two, three. Put it up high. Let me pray for those that are responding right now. 
Lord Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your goodness. God, I thank you that you are great. Greater love is no man but to lay his life down. I thank you that you accomplished your purpose by dying for us, by cleansing us. Can we pray together? Let's all pray together. Say, dear Jesus, come on, everyone. Dear Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Savior. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past, and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, Jesus, wash me with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, can we give the Lord a hand clap? Come on, can we just bless the Lord? Wow, what an amazing message. I don't know about you, but I am always encouraged to be reminded that God has a unique plan for each and every one of us. And I wanna talk to those of you out there right now who the Holy Spirit is stirring something in your heart. Maybe it's to take a bold step of faith in obedience to God. Or maybe it's to surrender something that you've been holding on to in trusting the Lord. Whatever it is, we have an incredible team of hosts who would be so, so honored to get to talk to you and agree with you in prayer. So let them know in the chat room, we would love to support you and come alongside you in prayer. Yes, and if you made the decision of following Christ today, we just wanna say a big congratulations. Today, you are made new, set free, and so, so loved by God. And we are honored to do this new journey with you of following Jesus. On the screen, you'll see more information of how you can share a little bit more about your story and how we can point you to more resources on your new journey. And hey, Maybe you've been walking with the Lord for a little while and you've never taken the step of joining our online dream team. I wanna just extend a personal invitation. We would be so excited to have you on our team. Our online dream team welcomes new people to our church family. They get the honor of praying for people. They get the, the exciting, joy-filled moment of getting to walk someone into their new journey of following Jesus. It is such an amazing team to be a part of. So. I wanna invite you, take your next step. Sign up for our online Next Steps classes today. They are on demand. You can pick a time that works for you and we will be so excited to welcome you to the online dream team. Yes, we cannot wait to see how God uses you in your next steps. And we'll see you here next week, same time. Same place. We love you guys. Have a great week.